Good morning. Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us via Zoom. We're so glad to ha- you have chosen to worship with us today. We're going to begin by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered in his name, he is here among us. As we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I invite you to meditate on the image of the cover of the bulletin, as well as the accompanying statement by the artist, offering this time to God as a prayer to help guide you in this time and space as we listen to the prelude.
Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. God's reach is endless. God's God's grace is lavish. God's love is constant. God's wisdom is vast. God's hope is stubborn. God's presence is here. With us, among us, moving through us. Breathe easy. Breathe deeply. We are in God's house. Let us worship the one who welcomes us home. Let us join our voices together as we sing hymn number 435. Reconciling God, you bring all of us to yourself through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Our mistakes may be large or small, they may be intentional or less so, but no matter our iniquity, your love always runs to meet us on the road. Refresh us with the breath of your Holy Spirit, renew us with the love of Christ Jesus. Refocus us so we might bring our whole being into worship. Amen. Please be seated.
If you ask any parent with a teenager what it's like to wait up for their child to meet curfew, they will tell you they're standing at the door, the porch light is on, no one can sleep until the child is home safe. Friends, I think God is like that for us. The porch light is on, the door is unlocked. We might be late for curfew, but God is just so glad we're home. So let us pray the prayer of confession together, trusting that no matter what we do or what we leave undone, the porch light is always on. Let us pray. The prodigal son isn't given a name, but we know his name. It sounds like ours, and we know his story. It sounds like ours. For who among us hasn't burned a bridge? Who among us hasn't forgotten that we belong to one another? Who among us has not ate for home? The prodigal son isn't given a name, but we know his name. Forgive us, God. We want to come home. Amen. And hear us as we confess to you in the silence of our own hearts. Family of faith, the word prodigal can be defined as wasteful or imprudent, hence the name prodigal son. However, prodigal can also be described as extravagant and excessive. Friends, we worship a prodigal God, a God who is extravagant in mercy and excessive in grace. For no matter how many times we run, no matter how far we go or how lost we get, God is standing at the end of the driveway waiting for us. The door is open. The feast is for you. The grace is extravagant. Thanks be to God. Amen. In Christ, the lost are found and the dead return to life. In Christ, we are a new creation. Let us celebrate our inheritance and the joy of our homecoming as we pass the peace of Christ this day. May the peace of Christ dwell in our hearts and through our actions this and every day. Ray? Yes. Debbie? Ready? Okay, ready. Are there any children in the Congress sanctuary today? Yes, there are. Yes? Okay. <laughs> so um, since I'm not actually there, I think you can stay in your seats, but I would like to talk to everybody today. Um, when Kyle asked me to do the children's message this morning and told me what the scripture lesson was, I said, sure, no problem. I've given two or three hundred children's messages before, so it's not a, a big deal. And sometimes I read the scripture lesson before, and sometimes I don't, and sometimes I just start talking and hope that God helps me. Today, I, this week, I read the scripture lesson, 
Have you ever had a time when you read something or hear something and it brings back a memory from a long, long way past that you think is totally unrelated to what you've read or heard? That happened to me today, this week. When I read the scripture, all of a sudden I remembered a conversation that I overheard my mother and a group of her friends have back when I was much, much younger, before we even moved to New York. So I must have been 12, maybe 13 years old. And they were standing in our church social hall after service, and they were talking about how nice it was to see somebody who had not been in church for several years. It was nice to see her. And it was too bad that the hard things were happening to her. And somebody said, to, just in the conversation, I often wonder about people who go away from church for years at a time, and then when something really hard or sad happens, they come back to church. And my mother, and those of you who know my mother will probably under, be able to hear the tone of her voice, said, that's why we're all here every week. So that when somebody has hard things happen to them and they need to come home, we're here with the door open and the lights on and the heat turned up and coffee and cookies and juice in the social hall. And I think that that's what I remember the most about the prodigal son is that we're part of the party that the prodigal son's father celebrates his return. And that's our job is to be there to celebrate. Can we pray? Dear God, thank you for having us be part of your work. Thank you for having us be part of the celebration when people who have wandered away return to you. Help us to be welcoming and gracious and kind and helpful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, that's it. <laughs> thank you, Debbie. The prayer for illumination. God of open doors, we often long to come home to you, to love and to ourselves, but we aren't always sure how to get there. We know that we need you, but the road back to you is heavy with distraction. So if we can dare to be so forward, we pray, reach into the cacophony of our hearts and minds and make yourself known. Quiet everything but your word for us today. Leave us awestruck. Drown out the distractions. Come as thunder or come as a still, small voice. We don't care which. We just pray that you will come, turn on the light, speak through these words, find the parts of us that are lost. With hope we pray. Amen. The epistle lesson this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 16 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is 
in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good morning, everyone. Let, let me introduce myself again. I think many, if not most, maybe all of you know who I am. I am the Reverend Beth Illingworth, and I serve as the chaplain to ministers in Albany Presbytery. And I'm so very grateful that I could be here in the pulpit uh, for, uh, for Kyle this week. Um, he called me. Well, he asked me, he contacted me to see if I could lead worship in the midst of that this week. In that time when everything is unclear, when it is the time of vigil, when he was waiting for the passing of his father. And he didn't know, should I, should I, extend, should I make it an option for to extend my trip to Rochester? in that, that place of not knowing. And so I am so very glad that I could, could be here either way, either way. And I honor your pastor and that great responsibility that all pastors have to be here on Sunday morning and for the awareness that he needed to allow space for his family in this time while they were all gathering in the event that his father should die. And so it is today we do recognize and we pray for his family now that Harold Del, Del Hagen has passed and for all that his family is going through. And like you, I was not aware of what uh, his wife and what Elena has been going through and also her mother as well. And so I will hold them in prayer. I am truly grateful that I am able to be with you today. And so we have heard a great deal already about our scripture text, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32. Let us hear the word of God for today. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the son, the younger son, gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in 
dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has gone, he has got him back safe and sound. Then the older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you... you you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. 
May God speak to us once again in this story that we have heard so many times. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to sing Jesus' wonderful words of grace, the words of which are in your bulletin. Let us lift our hearts in prayer. God of grace and infinite love, may we know your presence with us now. 
May I know your presence in the preaching of your word. May we know your presence in the hearing of your word. Amen. For 2,000 years, Christians have read and heard this story about the prodigal son from the perspective of their birth order in their family and their relationship with their own siblings. Is this not true for you as well? Do you relate to the archetype of the younger brother? The black sheep who misbehaves? The irresponsible one? Or do you relate to the archetype of the older brother? the one who is always responsible and well-behaved, the one who is self-righteous. For me, for my part, as the second daughter in a family of six children with three boys and three girls, I relate to the older brother because I was generally a well-behaved child, one of the responsible members of my family. But then again, I wasn't always well-behaved. And if truth be told... When I read this story, I want to say back to Jesus, well, what about the daughters, Jesus? If there were daughters in this story, they wouldn't have inherited anything anyway. What about that, Jesus? If truth be told, that is what I want to say. But even those feelings sort of make me like both the younger brother feeling like an outcast, which is the experience often of being female, and also like the older brother feeling self-righteous, because after all, I'm a good, deserving child. And the truth of the matter is, no matter who you are, no matter who I am, we are all both the younger brother and the older brother. We all carry the archetype of each one in us. Let's look at the younger brother for a moment. 
He begins by thinking that he's on top of the world and can chart his own course in the world. He's going to be bold, not like his brother who doesn't take risks and stays safely close to home. Have any of you ever acted against the norms and expectations of your family? Even those of us with no siblings at all. Have we ever tried to chart our own course? The younger son then squanders his inheritance. Well, do any of us know what it is to make bad choices, ever? And he finds himself humbled. He finds himself hungry. He finds himself alone. Now, in Jesus' time, anyone hearing this story would have recognized in it the ultimate humiliation. The brother is in a herd of swine, a pig pen. Now remember, Jews cannot eat pork. This is from the Davidic from the laws, like the law in Leviticus eleven seven through eight. It is something we all know that in the Jewish community you do not eat pork. So to be associated with pigs is to be truly humbled, and even more than that, truly humiliated. Have any of us ever known what it is to be humbled? Have any of us ever known what it is to be humiliated? When the son is hungry, starving, the story tells us, and can find nowhere else to turn, because quite honestly, he probably would have tried to find somewhere else to turn if he could, he decides to go back to his father and beg for mercy and work as a servant. He plans carefully what he will say. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Have any of us ever felt not worthy? The key word, the key expression, not worthy. So in ways unique, to each of our own stories, 
whether we are an elder sibling, a younger sibling, whether we're an only child, we all know the feelings of the younger brother. We all know experiences of unworthiness. And what about the older brother? Let's consider him for a moment. We meet him in the field where he is hard at work, just as we would expect, like the good son that he is. I can just feel how these words would be for, my, for the eldest brother in my family and how he would relate to this brother. He's hard at work. And then he hears music and dancing, and he investigates what's going on. When he learns that his father is preparing a feast for his no-good younger brother, he's angry and refuses to go in. Have any of us ever been jealous of the attention someone else, such as a sibling, but it could be anyone, receives? Have any of us ever been jealous especially when our when we do not feel appreciated for our own hard work i know churches well enough to know what it's like for instance to be the hard workers in the church what does this older son say He says, I have been working like a slave for you, Father, and I have never disobeyed your command. Is he implying that he is far more worthy of a fine feast than that good-for-nothing brother of his? Look at how hard he's worked. Is he not worthy of a fine feast? I wonder if any of us ever work hard in order to prove, prove to the world, prove to ourselves, prove to our parents, Prove to God that we are worthy of attention and praise. And so it is, as Jesus well knows, the younger brother and the older brother are in all of us.
But notice this as well. And this is not always true for human fathers, but it's true for the archetypal father in this story. The father goes to meet them both. The father goes to meet them both. In the case of the younger brother, the father sees him returning home and runs to him and embraces him. Our translation says that the father is filled with compassion. I like the meaning in the original Greek word more. It implies that the father is moved with compassion in his inmost being. In his inmost being. In his heart. This father loves his son in his inmost being. But listen also to what happens to the older brother when the brother doesn't join the party. The father goes out and searches for him, too, because, you see, now he is the lost brother. Now he is the lost brother. When the brother expresses his anger and frustration for the attention his younger brother is getting, when he's the one who has worked so hard... The father, almost in amazement, says, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Don't you know you are a part of me? Don't you know I love you? The younger brother is sure he is not worthy. The older brother is probably not quite so sure he's worthy either, and that's why he works so hard to prove he's worthy. But Jesus wants to reveal through this story That the kingdom of God is not about worthiness. It's never been about worthiness. We do not enter the kingdom of God because we are worthy. We We are not rejected from the kingdom of God because we are not worthy. We are welcomed into the embrace of God because, only because of one thing. We are loved in our inmost beings and in all of who we are because we are created 
in love. It is quite simply the essence of who we are. We are created in love. That's all that matters. That's all that's true. And it takes a lot for us to believe this. Jesus tells his story about the younger and older brother to teach those Pharisees and scribes as well as those outcast tax collectors and sinners that the kingdom of God has never been about worthiness. Jesus tells his story about the younger and older brother to teach you and me that the kingdom of God has never been about worthiness. The kingdom of God is only about love. It is our birthright. It is the birthright of each and every one of us. And this is the truth of it. The more we begin to know this in our inmost beings, the more that we can be sisters and brothers, older and younger, with greater and greater love. To God be the glory. Amen. Our affirmation of faith. I invite you to stand, I believe, for that. We believe in a God who waits in the driveway for us. We believe in a God who leaves the porch light on and throws a feast when we are found. We believe in a God who doesn't stop looking for us when we get lost. We believe in a God of prodigal grace, excessive, extravagant, over-the-top grace. In response to this grace, we hold tighter to each other. We remember that humans are not meant to go through life alone. So we look for ways to welcome each other in, to live like we are family, and to lead with grace, excessive, extravagant, over-the-top grace. We believe that this is our call. Let it be so. Amen. Our minute for mission.
It's like folding the fitted sheet. <laughs> Can you just imagine the emergency shelter? <laughs> uh, this this uh, minute for mission may be a little more than a minute, but it serves a double purpose uh, because everything in today's Minute for Mission is covered by Church World Service, CWS. And we, we have the crop walk, and we have the blanket drive. They both happen to start May 1st, but May 1st is just a date, okay? Uh, but I thought you would like to know, and I'll, I'll wave one of Mary Ann's little flags here. <laughs> I thought you would like to know how connected these things are, well with the Ukraine drive as well. Um, So I I printed out a couple of things. One from Kit Jackson. Uh, You may know her name. She has been connected with, um, yeah, the crop walk (laughs) for, this is my life, Um, the crop walk for many, many years, all right? She says, we're off to a great start barely a week after our recruiters' rally last Sunday. The Albany Crop Walk webpage shows 32 walkers from 17 teams already registered and over 6,500 posted in donations. Um, This year's a little bit different because I'm online and I'm going to represent the church because it's... I haven't been able to get another person. I did actually ask Elena, but she has her plate full at this point. And I told her, save your thunder for next year. Um, so basically, if you go online, and I'll, I'll send this information out through Kim specifically, you'll find my name, my given name, Jean Michelle Neiman. And it says Jean Michelle Mickey Neiman. And uh, make a donation. Or obviously, you could write a check for CWS crop or give me money, and then at the end, I write a check to cover the money. Um, So that's what we're doing for crop. She says, I do want to clarify some information given to us at the rally. The 75% share of funds raised in crop walks like ours this spring will be used to support the ongoing work of Church World Service and its partners in hunger relief and development, disaster relief, improving access to clean water, and assisting refugees. A portion of those funds will be used to address the crisis in Europe due to the war in Ukraine, but not all of the 75%. Many parts of the world are experiencing hunger and poverty exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. So CWS needs to continue to support the work already being done around the globe. However, Church World Service has scheduled a virtual national crop hunger walk for Ukraine on April 22, giving communities and individuals not connected with existing crop walks a chance to support the Ukrainian refugees through CWS. 100% of the funds raised in that particular walk will be dedicated to the Ukraine situation. So I see it as a possibility, I mean, even though we are Hamilton Union, 
that you might be interested in uh, going online, signing up to, to do something April 22nd under this separate kind of walk. And again, that information I will root through Kim. Uh, I just learned I was doing this Minute for Mission a few days ago. Um, so I will get that information to her. Um, and then the blanket drive, you know, once you sign up to do something, it seems to be yours for the rest of your natural life. Um, or unnatural life, I don't know. Um, so the blankets that you see, uh, the one that Bill and Marianne are, are holding is the heavyweight blanket, which is $15. Is it heavy, guys? <laughs> and the one that Karen is holding is the $10 lightweight blanket, which is still very sturdy. Um, so you have the opportunity to purchase not a blanket, but a blanket through CWS, and they will send it where it's needed. Now, the, the Matthew Stevens, who's the director of congregational campaigns for CWS, says... We are so blessed to have received many emails and phone calls asking questions about blankets going to Ukraine. Earlier this week, that was last week, um, CWS deployed a small team of experts to Romania and Moldova to assess the situation on the ground. The results of this assessment will inform how we will expand assistance, such as providing in-kind resources like blankets, hygiene kits, and other humanitarian supplies. So although I can't give specifics at this time about the assistance that will be shared in Eastern Europe, I do know that there will be time soon when we will share CWS blankets with someone who will need them. So it's essentially the same message that they gave for both crop walk and the blanket drive. They're, the things are going where they're needed. All right, and some of that obviously will be going to situations in and around Ukraine. Um, and you all know different places where you can donate money and have done so, I'm sure. Um, one of the things for the hunger walk, and young ladies, these are yours for afterwards, or you can come up and get them if you'd like. It shows. There's a yellow circle on this side, oh, this side, <laughs> that shows you what a typical five-year-old's arm, upper arm, would look like size-wise. This, this teensy little hole, is what the five-year-old with hunger's arm looks like. Okay, um, so girls, you can have that. And we have a new card this year. Some of you may remember the older card with the lady. Uh, she, she was black, had dark curly hair, and she was holding up the heavyweight blanket. Uh, now we have a younger woman. Times move on, you know. And uh, she's ho still holding up a heavyweight blanket. So this is the new card. If you purchase a blanket, uh, and I, I'll have the uh, sheets afterwards if you want to start doing that. Um, but you can, you can give me a call. I'm in the directory. I can't escape. Uh, I think I have everything from up here. Okay. 
Thank you. God's forgiveness is a gift that is beyond measure. We cannot repay such a gracious offering, but we can show our thanks for it. We offer our silver, we offer our gold, we offer our lives, the young and the old. May our gifts be added to the gifts of God in gratitude and in service of the whole people of God.
Let us pray. God of overflowing abundance, you bless the earth and it brings forth food. We who have been given so much rejoice in our ability to aid those who are in need. As we present our offerings this day, bless these gifts, the bounty of this good land, that they may reach those who need it most. May we, who call ourselves Christ's disciples, continue to free, give freely for worldly riches, just as Christ gave freely of his heavenly riches. Amen. All right then. Let us lift our prayers to God. Loving God, in this moment, we take a deep breath of gratitude that we can rest in the awareness that we can bring our full selves to you. The parts of us that feel like the younger brother, lost, and sometimes wanting to be lost even, sometimes wanting to push away or try our own way. Bringing that part of ourselves and bringing the part of ourselves that tries so hard, that tries so hard, and that in a way far deeper than this, in our inmost beings, you know us, you love us, we are your love. We lift our prayers for the people of this community, for the prayers that have been spoken out loud, for the young ones trying to find their way, trying to find their way on that very not straight path into adulthood. Brianna and Megan and Michael. We ask your guidance for all the young ones whom we love as they find their way. We lift the prayers for those in this community, in our families, in our lives who are most in need, for those who are in pain pain of body, pain of mind. We lift especially continued healing for Nancy and for Kathy as she prepares for her surgery and for Betty. We pray for an easing of pain in our own bodies and our own minds. We lift prayers for those who grieve. And yes, we pray for the Del Hagen family as they grieve the passing of Harold, their father and husband. We pray for Kyle as he tries to figure out all of his priorities right now. 
May he especially rest in the awareness of your love. May he rest in the circle of his family. May he know that you are with them as they make this journey, as they prepare to honor their father. And also for Elena, in this time as she is pulled this way and that, her concern for her own mother in her struggle this week, for her mother's health and well-being through her difficult journey, and for Kyle and Elena and their children as they figure out just all that needs to be done in the days ahead May they feel you close at hand within them and around them, guiding them and keeping them. And be this church community, be with this church community, that it can be a place of loving care for Kyle's family. And on this day, we do indeed lift prayers of joy Joy for getting together, sometimes in the midst of and sometimes despite and sometimes because we feel safe enough to get together as we navigate this pandemic. We give thanks for all the ways we've learned of connecting and being together, even through this pandemic. We give thanks for all that we have learned about connectedness in this pandemic. And we lift prayers of gratitude for all birthdays that are celebrated today and for all signs of new life today. New life within us. New life without, around us. Remembering that, yes, that seed must break open in order for the little seedling, the little, the little sprout to emerge in order for there to be new life. We lift the prayers that are unspoken those we admit to and maybe those that we keep so secret only you can know. And we ask that you hear these prayers. And yes, oh God, we lift prayers for this weary world, for the people of Ukraine, for those still in the country, for the refugees, for all those who have experienced the trauma of war. We left a special prayer for the exchange students in this country from all of these countries. We lift prayers for the Russian people and the people of Belarus. We lift prayers for all the people in this world who are knowing the devastations of war. 
from Afghanistan to Yemen to Sudan. May we remember those whose stories are not so much in the news, but by what we're all witnessing right now on our TV screens as we're being shaken up. May we be shaken up to have a new understanding of who we are and how interconnected we are all over the planet, of what it means to be human beings on planet Earth, of what it means to be earthlings with all life on Earth. In this Lenten season, we lift the prayers for all of our journeys to greater awareness and greater understanding, remembering that Jesus shows us the way. And we lift the prayer he taught us together as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to eat and welcome at the welcome table. Let us stand for our
your pastor prepared for me a beautiful benediction. And so I am going to enjoy that myself and share that with you now. Beloved, as you leave this place, may you be awestruck by the beauty of this world. May you laugh, and may it be contagious. May you overflow with love for those around you. May you be effusive with hope and quick to point out joy. And in all of your living and breathing and being, may you find yourself full to the brim with God's Holy Spirit.